Hey there, it's DM Scott. That's right, I'm talking to you. Yeah, you, the chubby guy wearing the This Is How I Roll t-shirt. Why don't you ditch that ratty old t-shirt that's two sizes too small for you? Where'd you get that? Baby Gap? Head on over to our Merchant Morris store on our epic new website. Grab yourself some Dungeon Masters Dojo logo wear. You won't regret it. Rock that t-shirt like the nerd boss you are. It's sleek and it's black, and everyone knows that black is slimming. Hell, I look like a slender 3XL when I'm wearing this black shirt. Not only will you look deceptively less chunky, but with that bold red and white logo, you'll look like a superhero. And who doesn't want to look like a superhero? So head on over to the DungeonMastersDojo.com merchant more to fill your bag with our swag. See you next time in the dojo. Support the Dungeon Masters Dojo by heading over to Apple Podcasts and Podchaser and leave a review. Take the time to leave a comment as well. This helps make us more searchable to those listeners interested in content such as ours. But more importantly, we want to know how we are doing and what topics you would like to hear about. Another way you can support the DMD is by buying the DMD a beer so we can continue to deliver quality content to you, our listeners. This also helps us upgrade and replace equipment. Head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash the DMD and buy us a beer or three or five. Don't forget to say something nice or mean. We don't care. You're buying us a beer. Now on to this week's episode. Hey, dude, uh, you left your uh, keys. Uh, I'm in my mind palace. Your mind palace. Yeah, it's where I go to solve mysteries. My keys have gone missing. Mischief is afoot. You left your keys in the door. Never mind. This is our look at Candlekeep Mysteries, the newest addition to 5e Dungeons & Dragons. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Dungeon Masters Dojo Podcast. This is a show for game masters and players alike. We hope to bring you tips and tricks to elevate your game and develop the art of dungeon mastery. I'm your host, Louis Aponte, and these are your dungeon masters, Scott Labby and Bill Robitaille. Let's head to the dojo and see what they have in store for us today. Hey, Bill. Hey, Scott. Don't bother, Scott. He's in his mind palace. He must be all alone. <laughs> I found my keys. They were in Bill's hand. Because I took them from the door where he left them. How can you miss that giant skeleton key to get into the Lyceum? It's just, it's cumbersome and you forget where you put it. I was in a, I was in a hurry. You have to use two hands to turn it. And you I still forgot a, it. I have a big hand. I just need one. <sighs> I had a cheeseburger in the other. <laughs> so now we've gotten to the root. <laughs> mystery solved. Of the mystery. <laughs> Speaking of mysteries, we have a new book. Yes, we do. Yeah. It's got candles in it. And keeps and mysteries. That's right. It's Candle Keep Mysteries here on the Dungeon Masters Dojo. It's, uh, so let's, uh, let's get our uh, Poirot on and, uh, and check this out. Uh, we were going to have Angela Lansbury on the show, but she couldn't make it. It was uh, Jello Night, 
at the Shady Pines rest home. Hell, so if it was tapioca maybe, that you wouldn't be seeing me. Yeah, who uh, <laughs> who better? Yeah, yeah. Bill knows her from Shady Pines. Um, who better to talk mysteries than Angela Lansbury? But unfortunately, it is Jello Night at she, the home. She was hot she, when she was young. What was she? Was she ever young um, compared to me? Well, okay. No argument there. <laughs> so about the book, what do you guys think of it? So do you want to go in depth or you just want to kind of gloss over it this time around and we'll let's, dig deeper later? Let's give our listeners our first impression of the book without getting into like a lot of the nitty gritty because Fair enough. I think if we were to get into the nitty gritty, we could probably talk for for quite some time. This is true. This is true. So straight, all right, straight out of the gate, first one thing I do. Um, I flip through the book and look at the pictures. I like the artwork in this book. The artwork is is nice. I am uh, disappointed to see that uh, Robert Pattinson uh, <laughs> not has, an has not making, made an appearance, but Charlton Heston from the Ten Commandments has on page 201. <laughs> yes, yes. So. Okay, so I'm not the only one that thought that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, the, the artwork the artwork's pretty pretty dope it's it's in that same style that um you know these these books from fifth edition has has been in but it it works it works i i like it (laughs) go to page 111 and tell me that that doesn't look like marcus when you (laughs) i thought about that one that's the wizard isn't it yeah when 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 you explain to him yeah you failed and now your head is up a giant's buttocks (laughs) <laughs> Not a place for one's head to be. Um, that is the look he gave. Yes, <laughs> that that certainly is. Yeah, nice, nice full color artwork. There is an awesome map in the back. I, of, I was going to save that to last, keep. but as a as a map guy, I was so happy to see the maps throughout it. And then I get to the back, and there's a detachable map. Yeah. that looks that yep. good. Um, super psyched. Like that a lot, yeah. I I I love any book that they put out that's got a map in the back. I mean, that's instantly mm-hmm. got me sold. Um, Eberron Rising was was like that. Yep. They have a map in the back, which is which is pretty cool. Um, I love I love a map, uh, and it's you know it's kind of su- it's suitable for framing, you know, so you can you can hang it in your nerd cave. Yeah, but why not? Quick reference that way, you don't have to keep pulling it out. That's right. You know it's. Perfect. The, uh, you know, right by your gaming table, easily accessible to any of your players. Um, and it makes for a nice decoration. And if you can get one of your table people to have really nice penmanship, give them a silver marker and just kind of, you know, write anyone's name but theirs in the corner. And when your wife yells at you or girlfriend yells at you about why the hell is this damn thing hanging down here, it's a signed piece of artwork. Yeah. It's by, out here on display. Yeah, by uh, Phil. Yes. Phil McNichol. Yeah. <laughs> so we got uh, this clocks in at 224 pages. Nice, kind of glossy pages. Same yep. style as every other book that they've put out so far for 5th edition. Um, you you get some new monsters. Mm-hmm. Uh, like page 123, the corrupted avatar of... Lurie or Larue, 
I should say. It almost almost looks like some sort of fell steed. Yeah, dark unicorn. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh a way more badass version of 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 a unicorn. Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> Tenfold. So what you got here is an adventure anthology, yes. which I really, really like. It it's uh, I was a big fan growing up of of anthology TV series. Uh, you know, like uh what was it, The Dark Room? Yes. Um, of course, you know, Outer Limits and uh, uh, Twilight Zone. I love Zone. the Outer Limits. Oh. And the uh the backdrop is 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 Candlekeep. Um, and I think from the looks of it, just perusing your, um, you know, the book that you have in front of you, you can, you can theoretically take a party of adventurers from first level all the way up to level cap. Pretty, yeah, they actually, uh, the they level actually theory. level it out on page five. They, they have a little graph there starting level, um, one, a description of what that particular adventure is, and it becomes progressive, and everything feeds into everything else, even though you don't, you don't necessarily have to follow it in this order. And we've always said you can scale things up or down as necessary, so if they oh, find absolutely. themselves going off on a tangent, um, it, it's not that big of a deal. And I haven't delved deep, deep enough into the book to see whether or not it actually made allowances for that, but any game master can do that themselves. Yeah, ab- but but absolutely. It, yeah, it lays it all right out there from level one all the way up to sixteen, um, and it looks pretty cool. Yeah, and you know the beauty of this is the you know it's almost almost uh, episodic, right? And you add yes. these really like the 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 names of the adventures are just really really cool. <laughs> oh, it is. I and what the good thing about this book is the only two other books you need are the player's handbook and the DMG. Yes. Yep. Yeah. It it does not require the entire the entire set of of fifth uh, fifth ed books. You know, and that's one of the one of the huge draws for me anyway to this is okay if I'm a if I'm a new DM, right? I just need the player's handbook, the DM. And then I could get this book, and I I probably have enough in this book to run my my adventuring party my table through for probably the next six months. Yeah, you don't eight months. Yeah, you don't need a campaign a book because yeah. this can be you know ran right out of a town uh, or out of keep. It should, I should say. Yeah. Um, instead of running through a whole scenario. And and it's uh it's like eating the elephant, right? You're going to do it one bite at a time. Yep. And so it's broken up into these nice little bite-sized morsels, you know, so you only have to really know this one short adventure really well. You don't have to read an entire campaign book, you know, like um, Horde of the Dragon Queen, you know, where you got to like read that from beginning to end, a couple times, and then <laughs> uh, even a worse one is Strahd's Curse. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah. I was going to say that. <laughs> you know, you got to know the book before you sit down at your session one. You got to know the whole thing. But with this, you have to know just that tidbit, so you can you can refer to it frequently. Uh, yeah, I think the only thing you need to know is what, what level you start at. So if you start at level one, when you're done with that little tidbit, where are they going to be? What level are they going to be? Are they going to be level three, level four? Yeah. So now you could just go look for something in that range for the next time and be prepared. 
it's, it's everything out of pocket for you. Yeah, it's great. And I was, you know, I was always, um, I never ran. I'm not going to say never because that's not true. I didn't run store-bought, those retail modules um, for many, many, many years. You know, when I first started, I did like, um, you know, the um, uh, Sinister Secret Assault Marsh and um, Hidden Shrine of Tomoakon and stuff like that when Mm -hmm. they first came out. And then I stopped. I did all my own stuff after that. I did all my own writing, my home homebrew adventures. And I just thought, uh, you know, it's for these, these retail adventures are for, you know, lazy DMs that have no creativity. And um, that's just not true. Because as I grew older, I was like, wow, you don't have a lot of time <laughs> to write a lot of, a lot of like, campaigns from beginning to end we always take the time to do that but this is a great tool for a brand new dm or even a veteran dm and i would i would totally run this at my table um with some brand new characters i have i have a question go ahead is that what we're calling them now retail adventures I don't am, know. Am I no longer allowed to call them modules? You could call them modules. I call them. I is that politically incorrect now? Well, they're not even called modules anymore. They're, yeah, they're called they're campaigns. Yeah. Oh. oh. Yeah. The so, terminology. So, so I'm four or five steps out of. Uh, shows you how often I use them. Yeah. It's. Um, yeah, for lack of a better term, that's what I call them because people are. When I talk to younger people, <laughs> I'm like, "Hey, do you, you check out the new module that they put out?" They're like, "What are you talking about?" I'm like the module dude. I thought you were a gamer. And they're like, what are you talking about? You know, like Curse of Strahd or, oh, the campaign. I'm like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they're. Well, no, if you said campaign, I probably, I would have gotten that. But then, you know, retail, retail adventures. Yeah, yeah you threw a, me a curveball there. I'm like, oh, they change it again? No, that's that's what I came up with. Oh, okay. Because I keep forgetting they call them campaigns. Because I call them modules. As do I. And they will forever be in my mind as modules because that's what, what it was. But I would I would run this all day. Oh, these are an excellent source. So if you're running a campaign, a module, or a retail adventure, <laughs> and let's say your party doesn't want, you don't want to railroad your party. They want to do something a little different. You can just take one of these and pop it into your already existing campaign yeah and run absolutely. it that way as well yeah just change some of the names yeah, yeah. well you don't even have to do that they could just stumble, yeah, upon, they stumble this, upon it yes and now they can find out about candle keep through this as well so when they want something different they can always go back yay the joys of extra dimensional travel yep yeah it, it's uh and without getting too much into uh incorporating retail adventures <laughs> into your existing campaign because uh we are going to do a uh, whole episode on that coming up relatively soon as part of the Your Campaign series. Yep. Um, but tune in for that one. We'll talk about how to use those those retail adventures, campaigns, modules, whatever have you. Well, we'll talk about how he uses them and how I use them. Yeah, because there, you know, while there's some similarities, there's there's certain differences. differences. Yeah, yep. uh, this is one that I would I would probably use. Pretty much the way it is. After flipping through it and looking at it, I would, I would use it pretty much how it is laid out, and the the background and the framework would be just slightly different. 
you know, you would have to incorporate your adventuring party in there. Why are they, why are they there? What are they, you know, what, what is the purpose? Ask all these questions and then, you know, plug them in and, and run these, these adventures. But it, um, it's probably the first one. I own all of them and have never played any of them, never ran any of them, <laughs> but I would, I would definitely do this. This is the one that speaks to me the, uh, the most. I have to agree. Like if I, like I said, you know, all you need is two core books and this one. So for any starting GM that's really not sure how to go about running a game or what to put together, I think this is a good combination for that. I think it's yeah, I think it's a great combination. I think the big attraction for me, just flipping it over, like I said, on page five, from level to one to level sixteen, it you know it doesn't matter where you start, you have somewheres where you can place them. So, it, like you said, you, you how do you get them there? Well, it might be one of those you you have an ongoing adventure with just a little bit of research and a little bit of setup, you could steer them towards they need something at such a location, uh, information, a spell, or something, and get lured into this and find out. All right, or not exactly finding what they want, but here's a bunch of cool stuff anyway. So let's kind of. You know, see what else we can find while we're here. Exactly. And all you gotta do is make hints and incorporate your little tidbit in there as well. And just you have to do, obviously do a little bit of reading ahead of time. Find out which one of these sections is gonna work best for your introduction and uh, your little tidbit to be to be worked into, and then just work off the book and let them build toward it, towards it and just leave little hints. Yeah, you're getting closer, getting warmer. Oh, yeah, I heard that. But that's that's over in this section of the library. And now they got to go through the adventure in the book looking for their little tidbit and then finding stuff that's going to lead them to somewhere else as well. So, Yeah, I I gave this I gave this some thought as as far as getting getting the characters into the adventure, you know, and, and the first one there is the joy of extra dimensional spaces, the title of which I, I love. <laughs> um, so it's, it's, it starts with a book. Um, and you know, I would, I would pick a character who is more bookish maybe than the others. And, uh, maybe they work there at Candlekeep doing something janitorial work or whatever that, you know, maybe uh, a librarian's aide. And just bringing his friends in to see, you know, kind of like his workspace. Hey, get a little you know, of this. Come check it out. Look the, at all these books. The wonders. Yeah. And, uh, you know, thinking that this is really a cool thing. It is probably the coolest thing that I could think of. But, you know, maybe their friend who's a barbarian or maybe their friend who's a fighter who's more concerned about how many push-ups he can do or she can do may not be as excited. But, you know, usually when we're excited about something, we just kind of like assume that everybody else is going to be. So they bring them in there and there they, while they're poking through bookshelves, they find this book. All, I, all, book I, all I can see is Lou coming in with like a barbarian or a fighter going, Hey, those look really, really old. I bet you they're really flammable. We'll move on from here. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a lot of ways that you can, you know, kind of incorporate these in, into your own campaign. You can you can use them as, as standalones for a brand new GM. It's a good place to start. Take it as is. You know, I would think this is this is probably one of the better 
campaigns that they had put out just for that purpose. One of the few that's actually got a hardcover. Well, it it eliminates a lot of the, because I see this on the forums all the time, what book should I get next? Or I'm a starting GM. What do I need? Yeah, I have a player's handbook and I have the DMG, but what do I need next? Well, I was reading and somebody says, I'm picking up Candlekeep. Um, As a a GM, what should I start with? Well, all you need is the player's handbook and the DMG. Yeah. You don't need Tasha's. You don't need Xanathar's. You don't need... Uh, yeah, yeah, you don't need any of those. No. You may want them. Your players may want them, but you don't need them. Let's start, yeah. Get and those if eventually. And if, you, if your players are starting just like you, keep them away from the other stuff. Just stick with the core books. Stick with the player's handbook. Let them build. There's more than enough in there to let them build. They don't have to get eccentric and, and exotic yet. That that time will come. Get you, Let them get their chops. Oh, it does. I mean, like I went through the book. I know we're going to go a little bit more into it, but I like where the book takes you. It takes you to all the different realms and um Forgotten Realms, takes you to the Carter Tour, takes you to Al-Kadim. I mean, I know they're not physically mentioned, but the landscapes remind me of those. Yeah, and I would would go as far as to say that that is the intent without naming them. Yes. Because, you know, those supplements or whatever have you haven't come out yet. But for those of you out there that have been playing for a long time, Al-Kadim and Caratour were were part of the Forgotten Realms, and they were pretty substantial uh, campaign supplements, uh, equally as large as Forgotten Realms yeah. yep. itself. And cool stuff. So you you do. You get to bounce around, bounce around the campaign world quite a bit, which is pretty neat. It is. Well, nothing else. It, it helps tee things up for when they are, you know, hopefully they are going to release these new supplements and rewrite them and reintroduce them uh, in the 5e world. And so here's the tee up. Here's the teaser. I think that's what this is. Yeah. Really, I and, do. And, and I hope it is, you know, go some of the, the, like I said, I went through the book a little bit and um, some of the characters and just the NPCs or the, even the backgrounds that you see, it's all reminiscent of those old, yeah. at least from my era, 2.5, 2 and 2.5 uh, supplements. And that's, that's the thing. To keep in mind, too, and, and this has very little to do with this book that is sitting in front of us, but D&D has been a multicultural, multichromatic world for a very long time. You know, only in the early AD&D days where it was very monochromatic, but once 2 and 2.5, 2.5 especially, it became a very multicultural, multi-chromatic kind of game world, which which was, you know, nice to see. But it's been that way for, you know, 30 years, I would say, Plus. probably. Yeah. Um, so it's nice to pull all these different exotic locations of Forgotten Realms into something like this book where you kind of get a little taste uh, of, of these different lands. Uh, the flavors of your... Yep. Yeah. And like the, and I'd really like to see them pursue these and reintroduce the those worlds. I, I'm waiting for yep. Alcadim myself. That's one of my favorites. Yep. And I'm a um you know, I, I liked Alcadim. I played around in it for quite a bit, but I really love Caratour. Oh, I, I, I really, I, really love those are my top two of all the the campaign settings. Caratour and um Alcadim were my favorites. 
I would, yeah, I would have to, uh, would have to agree with you. Um, one of the, you know, I think the thing that speaks to me the most about, about this book is this is a book that is very much so like the D and D that I originally fell in love with. It was very magical, very fantastic, just very old style. Well, the way it's laid D&D. out, the way it la- it's laid out is very, very reminiscent of the original uh, modules, campaigns, uh, right down to the maps and yes. you know, the, the notes for the maps. It's very, very reminiscent of some of the early, early work. So I I hope they didn't just stumble upon it. I hope they went back and went, hey, you know, gee, that looked pretty cool. Let's let's do that. Yeah, and you know the the stuff when you read like the um the descriptions of these, right? A book leads characters on a quest to find a missing sage. There's one about a genie uh, trapped in a book, offering wish spells, an unsolved mystery about a wandering stone golem in the desert. Just very very D and D old school D&D kind of vibe to it. You know, the yep. old D&D stuff was was really kind of, I don't know, pulpy. Some of this stuff was, you know, back when I was 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, you know, in my, my teen years, it was, you know, it was fantastic going back and revisiting it now and listening to uh, retro RPG reviews and, 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 and Dave, you know, giving his, you know, his history lesson on these things and reviewing these old modules and the whatnot, they were, a lot of them were kind of poorly done. They weren't of the same quality, you know, <laughs> oh, as, by no means. As, as the stuff today. But, but it's the best we had at the time. It is. It was a fledgling thing. But this smacks of a lot of that old stuff without being, or, or having that feel of kind of being haphazard or, you know, slapped together or rushed, you know, not having the time to, to finish it or, or whatever have you. I mean, make no mistakes. I'm going to find something wrong with it that I don't, well, not wrong. I'm going to find something I don't like about it. I was, I'm surprised you haven't already. Um, same way. But I think you're right. It, it It's laid out amazingly well. The maps are done well. There's a, tons of references. And it does have that old school feel without the old school, what, what's missing from the old school yeah. stuff. This stuff has all the information you need and it was well thought out and well laid out. So you know, I said, and, and this is just a quick perusal. I haven't really read it. I mean, I know Lou's read it probably cover to cover like 16 times already. A couple um, times. Cause that's Lou. Uh, I kind of thumbed through it a couple of times and I, something would catch my eye and I'd read a little bit and then I'd start thumbing through again and I'd come back again and do the same. So I've been through it a couple of times on and off and everything I've looked at, no matter where I've just opened up the book it, again, it had that old school feel, but it had the the new fleshing out. Yep, modern twist. The modern, you know, I don't know if it's necessarily about. It's definitely modern, mm-hmm. but but it had it. It's not lacking the information that you had to make up. Right? A fledging DM can grab this, and everything you need is right there, spelled out for you. Dialogue boxes, descriptions, maps. It's all in there. That's what I was going to say. What this book really does. And what I really like about it, it takes not just a campaign, especially for a new DM, not just a campaign, but it takes the magic items and the NPCs from an entry level to almost an epic level. Yes. Um, yeah. Especially with the you know the NPCs and, uh, and the magic items near some of the end. There's a couple of them that I, I consider epic level. Oh, um, oh, yeah. I won't. We won't get into those now, but as a book as it is, 
this is one book I think every new GM sh- should pick up. That's just my opinion. Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um, it will help you along the way very, because it, it lays everything, the foundation for you to effectively run a game because it has everything there for you. And I'm not saying that the campaigns don't, like the Curse of Strahd and those, but those books can be very confusing, especially when yeah. you're running to like the Camp Curse of Strahd, which has multiple sections where you need, you, if your campaign goes in one direction or another, you know, you need to know ahead of time where they're going. This one you can yep. plop and put into place what you want. And to, to give to give an idea, it's when you look at, you know, Curse of Strahd is probably about as big as this book. I don't have the page count memorized, but it's probably about as big, maybe a comparable. little bit smaller, you know, but it's, yeah, exactly what Bill said. It's a comparable size. So you have to know that that book, right, before you even start and sit at the table mm-hmm. to talk session zero, you got to know that book. You got to know what directions you could be going in, what directions your, you know, the curveballs your players are going to throw <laughs> you because it's going to happen. For this, we'll take the joy of extra dimensional spaces because it's the first one in the book. I love the name, uh, but as a as a DM, right? For a new DM, this adventure runs from page seventeen to page twenty five, right? So you can feasibly read this over and over and over and over and over again. You can do this. You can revisit this whole thing the day before you run this adventure, right? If by some chance it lasts more than more than one three- or four-hour game session, which is probably going to, you know, you can read this again. And and you're going to know it backwards and forwards, so you're going to have that confidence that new GMs often don't have. But reading, like, eight pages is a hell of a lot easier for a brand-new GM, even a veteran GM, for that matter, than reading, like, 200-and-something pages before you even sit down for session zero because these aren't the kind of things you can really wing. Yeah, true. So this... This I like. Uh, so far, so do I. Yeah, the uh, I'm surprised. What is I was I was gonna <laughs> I was gonna run this campaign. I'm trying to use the right terminology so I could keep up with the kids. It is it's the one that Jerome is running on D20 to Curtain. What is it? Horde of the Dragon Horde Queen. Horde of the Dragon Queen. That's the beginning. It goes into Tyranny of Dragons. Tyranny of Dragons afterwards. And I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna run it because I've I've listened I've listened to enough of Jerome who claims he's a brand new GM run it and having it sound real good. So I'm like, yeah, I think I'll try something else because you know, when you watch someone do something really well and then you try to do it, you're like, man, I suck at this <laughs> and I shouldn't feel that way. Cause I've been doing this long enough. I shouldn't suck. Right. Um, there's that expectation. So I, I may, I may run this. I may run this. And there you go, uh, Jerome, you ruined Scott. You, you and that, God damn, Matt Mercer. <laughs> uh, but this, even yeah. for even for a um, a GM who hasn't run one of, the, I would swear I was like maybe thirteen last time I ran a a retail adventure, and we called them modules back then, <laughs> and that was that was a long time ago. Yeah, that was like thirty seven years. Another point what this does, it helps, uh, like when we came over from 2.5, it was a whole new world. This will help the GMs get their thoughts and put everything down and get it correctly to, you know, 
That's a good run. point. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. when we came over, you know, we were looking at the campaign books and all the other books and we we're like, oh shit, this is a whole new yeah, well, learning even, lesson. Even, I mean, it was close, but even some of the terminology changed. Yep. A lot of the rules was streamlined where we were used to minutiae. Yep. And a lot of it. It was and, a lot of moving parts in yeah. 2.5, <laughs> a whole lot. Yes. And then you, you stream it down. And yeah, we were kind of like, oh. Crap! I I thought I knew how to play this game. <laughs> All right, the hell with it. Mechanic. Uh, I'll worry yeah. about I'll worry about the mechanics later. Uh, I'm just gonna role play my ass off. <laughs> that, that, that's what five is really all about. Yes, it is. Which I I like. Yep, a lot. And this will help. Yeah, it's, a lot. Yeah, it's 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 going to. And and Lou brings up a really good point. If you're a GM coming from a a different version of D and D. Um, this is a good place to kind of start because we're, I think we were looking at, was it Rage of Demons or something like that when we first got into, um, or Out of the Abyss. Out of the Abyss. Out of the yeah. Abyss. Yeah. And I was looking at it going, gosh, this is awfully sandboxy. And I'm pretty good with sandbox style stuff because yeah. I've been playing with Lou for 30 years and I, and I know... <laughs> I. I know if if I try to railroad him, uh, he's taking it off the rails. You know, he's he's uh, he's he'll end up in a biplane. Yeah, he's he's <laughs> he's going four wheeling. So I, I was like, yeah, hey, that's not bad, but it's it's a little too sandboxy for the first outing. Yeah. with a brand new yes. brand new system. Yep, I agree. So that's a very good very good point you brought up. This is perfect for a GM who's even coming from like fourth edition, which isn't too much of a departure i mean the mechanics are similar i don't know and uh you know the three is in 3.5 but if you're coming from the thaco days this is a good place to start because it's it's manageable you know also if you came from another game system entirely yeah you know and you've played DD but you haven't run DD, and now you need something is you know the borders, the rules, stuff like that. You're learning the players' handbook, and you know, in, in DMG, like we mentioned, this is going to help a lot as well. You may have a familiarity with playing the game, but running it's a whole different critter. Yeah, yeah. As a matter of fact, I would go as far as to say before you even pick up a campaign, you know, start your little your your little game session, get it going, but start using some of these because these are very small and light. Um, you don't mm-hmm. have to be bogged down by the rules of your campaign setting. Yeah. And, and everyone is different. You know, a campaign can kind of feel, feel the same every time you play. And, and really that's what campaigns are. You know, it's, they, they have that, that unified feeling, but every, this is so episodic that every time you jump into a new adventure in this campaign, it, it can have a different feel. You know, if you want it dark and serious, you know, there's stuff in here that you can play dark and serious. Yep. If you want lighthearted, like beer and pretzel stuff, you can do that too with, with, with another one and have that kind of, you know, fun, easygoing game session and then switch it up, you know, so it's not as, you know, it's not, not the same every time. Right. And another thing I like about the book, uh, and I said it for, for beginning beat GMs, this will help you with, you know, where do I start at a level? Where do I end? But if you're an experienced GM like Bill and you both said earlier, you guys can start to scale things up or down. You know, start, if you're new, you start with the the levels it gives you and progress through that way. But if you're experienced, 
Now you can use your experience to scale these up or down, and it just gives you more versatility on how you run this book. Yeah, I would go as far as to say that you could even practice your scaling skills with this oh, book. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Another thing, as, as I'm, you guys are talking, I'm reading through this thing, and it occurred to me that not necessarily for your new game masters, but your your experienced game masters can look at this, and even if you don't use anything in this book, it'll tell you to how to lay out your adventures. Yeah, you're absolutely right. It, it does yeah. it. I'm sitting there reading going, you know, everything's just kind of like very well compartmentalized. If you just used the bullet points in here, and from one, you know, the beginning of one adventure to the end, and it shows you the progression all the way through from the beginning to the end, it'll help you to write your own material because it'll show you how it's it's done and done well and, and how to lay everything out. So you can look at the, like you said, the, the, the very first one, or which one am I on here? Yeah, the Joy of Extraventional Spaces. It gives a nice little introduction. It gives a description. It goes into description of the area, and then it breaks down the areas and then what you're going to run into in each area. It gives you a little text box um, and stat blocks for everything that you're going to run into them as you run into it. So the progression through just this one encounter or this one section is very well laid out. And even if you just use that formula for stuff you write yourself, that would, especially for, like I said, you know, experienced game masters that want to try something different, or even the ones that are not necessarily brand new, but kind of getting their legs under them. And all right, now I've I've run some some campaigns, and that's great. But I got this great idea. But gee, how do I put it on pen? There's a framework here that you can follow, and that will lay it out pretty well for you. So even if you don't use any of the material in the book, just use the framework of the way they lay out the adventures, and it, it'll help you quite a bit. So there's there's more information in this book than just the book. And there always is in these mm-hmm. cases, isn't there? And that's something to uh, always keep in mind as, as a GM. And, and Bill and I have had these conversations for, God, I don't, I don't know how long, but, <laughs> well, you were the one that kind of turned me on to, I like this. I like this encounter. I think I'll pull it out of this book and I'll plug it into into my my yep. campaign because it and you can do that. So even if you're not planning on running, you know, whatever campaign you you buy, you know, or whatever campaign they put out, buy it anyway because it's got it's got some it's got some encounters in there that are certainly going to appeal to you and you could pull those out and you could plug them into your own campaign, save yourself a little bit of time, yep, especially if you're pressed. You know, if you happen to be someone that's working um, and, you know, is an adult and has a, you know, especially if you have a family, then sitting down for hours at a time to write a campaign isn't always feasible. Uh, yeah, it's just not, you know, so that use these these books to pull encounters out and add them to your own campaign. It'll be a time saver or run, run the actual campaign. It's already written out for you. Yep. You know, one of the things I really like, and I know you I know you remember this <laughs> is the the dialogue boxes yep are small and I like that they are they're they're very brief so it gives you more than enough room to expound upon but yeah you're not reading half a page and do you remember those those yes. uh dialogue boxes that 
they used to they used to do the three columns. Remember the three columns? Yes. And like the eight eight font back when you could see, <laughs> you know, shit that small. And I remember, I remember looking at like two pages of a dialogue box, but it was like six columns total. And I'm thinking, Jesus, after I read this, if if I if I don't fall asleep. <laughs> My players are going to, these are nice and, and manageable. You know, you get like two or three sentences, but it's enough so that I, I, as a new GM, I got the gist of it. Right. And then maybe I'll add a little bit more description into it. You know, the, the ceiling arches to 15 feet overhead and long hallways stretch out on either side of the foyer standing in the middle of this area is a middle-aged man wearing gray robes. That's a nice little bit. If you're a new GM, that's easy to put out there. And if you're a new GM and you want to try to exercise, you know, some of your descriptive ability, it's like the ceiling arches to about 15 feet overhead. It's it's like you would see in a very old European church, you know, made of stone. There's a middle-aged man with spectacles resting on his nose, uh, wearing gray robes. He's standing in the middle of the room, pacing about, scratching his bald head. You know, he's got wispy gray hair on either side of his uh, either side of his, his head that kind of circles it like a halo almost, uh, despite wearing glasses. He's, he's squinting a lot as he's trying to read manuscripts or sort through documents in his hand. It's really unsure what exactly it is that he's doing, but he looks, you know, lost in deep thought. You can... You can add that stuff and start to practice it. It's a good set of training wheels for a new GM. During that entire descriptive narrative, he's staring at me. I. It's amazing how close. <laughs> I'm glad I was your inspiration for that moment. <laughs> I I didn't mention scowl. Ah, or, it's, it's, well, you, I cut you off. Sorry. Continue. He wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't yelling, get off my lawn. <laughs> I'll beat you with my rocking chair. <laughs> so what do you think of the price? For me, it was great. You bought it for me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I still owe you for that. Um, <laughs> what was it? 30 bucks? 30, yeah. I think it was what twenty nine ninety nine. Yeah, twenty nine ninety nine yeah. on on Amazon. Yep. Um, for for this much material, I think that's a steal. Yeah, and the the retail is forty nine ninety five. If you yeah, if you get it for that twenty nine ninety five or, or whatever, even on D and D Beyond, I would say jump on it. Yep. It's it's a reasonable price. The 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 quality of the book, in my opinion, warrants warrants the uh, definitely the the uh, twenty nine ninety five. And it's 17 campaigns. All right, not campaigns, excuse me, 17 adventures. Adventures. adventures yeah. yeah. So you're looking at, I would I would say, I could get a year's worth of gaming out of this quite easily. Oh, well, yeah, you think about it. I don't think, especially when you get into the higher levels, you're not going through that in one night. No. no. Maybe no. The, in, in the beginning, probably not two, at least, probably three, especially depending on how far you, how quick the... Party moves through it, and how well you describe and expound upon what you're seeing, and play with it. But sixteen adventures, two nights per. There's thirty six weeks. I'm assuming you're meeting once a week. 
And when you get into the higher levels, those are going to go three and four nights. Easily. So, yeah, you're right. Easily a good year. Yeah. Not bad, right? Not Not bad. bad. For even if you pay the fifty bucks, right, yeah. for the book. So say you were you are fortunate enough to have a friendly local game store that you wanna um be Support, a patron yeah. of, yeah, and be supportive of them, then yeah, do that. Unfortunately we don't have one in the area. Not anymore. Yeah, was a, open. A, a couple closed on us. And I the I think the closest one we have is up in Northampton or so that I I think they're still open, but But the you know, and you can even you can even have your your players kick in a little bit of money, right? Because they're going to get the enjoyment out of it too. Well, if you think about it, it's 17 adventures at two bucks an adventure. Right, yeah, yeah, right. I mean, yeah. come on, really? Two bu- yeah, two bucks an adventure. When you break it down like that, how, how do you complain? You can't really. I mean, that's a decent deal. You know, even if it's you're spending the whole 50 bucks, if you got a table of four players – you know, five U total. That's that's ten bucks each. Yep. And you have you have enough game for for a year. It's it's not a bad investment. It, it's not. It's not a bad. And I would encourage more people to do that for their GMs. Um, pitch and go. Hey, man, can I help cover whatever book you get? I'll throw in like a ten or a twenty dollar bill or something like that to help defray the cost, especially. Because if you really think about it, a lot of books or most of the books that are put out now are catered to the players. This one is actually catered to the GM. Most yeah. of your most of your uh, books, I don't care, Xanazars, um, Tasha's, they're all carried, carried um, catered to the player. You know, this one really caters to the GM. Good point. Yeah, good point. But even still, to you get both points, if you have a table with a half dozen people. And they steadily show up every week. Yep. Why should there be the game master or that one person that buys the books? Even if it is that one person that always seems to have to have, and we all have one on our table. Hi, Tom. That has to have every book. It's got to. And tries to get it before the game master. Yes. They want to pull something. (laughs) Look at Lou's eyes light up as he stares. Yeah, there you go, Scott. You have to have every book. Yes, I want it first. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Damn right. Got to get that out there. Sold yourself out on that one. It do, let them buy every book. But what's wrong with everyone going? Okay, you know, to our point, full price, fifty bucks. Let's pitch in it. Helps. Everyone throws in five bucks. It he, helps helps the it, game. Yeah, and it's like you know, you bring it. We all use it. Okay, I tell you what, you know, here, here's I got only got two dollars. Right. Well, if everyone threw in two dollars, that's ten. That's fine. That's something. You know, he's going to buy it anyways. Exactly. You know, help defer that cost. Right, defer the cost. It, it doesn't mean you, the whole table has to cover the cost no. of every book. These books add up. They yeah. do. They add up they fast do. at at thirty, forty, fifty dollars a pop, depending on which ones and where you're getting them. Yep. Lend a hand. I mean, you're getting the adventure. You're borrowing the book. Why is it is it not worth four, five, ten dollars? Yep. It, it hell yeah. Help that you know. So let that one guy buy every single book if he's willing to bring it every week and let everyone use it. Then defer the cost, you know, then to help in hand. Yeah, you're all throwing in on a pizza, right? Yeah, well, you would think so. You hope so. <laughs> yeah. So you're all pitching in on a pizza. Yeah, you're bringing snacks, you're bringing and, soda, yeah. you know, throw it in the middle of the table, everyone, you know, so why wouldn't you do it with the books too? And and to Bill's point too, it's like, you know what, if, if you get a player that shows up and, uh, 
you know, the older you get, you know, the more you're going to realize that um, things are always in flux, right? <laughs> yeah. Especially with this pandemic, you know, some, some people, some people have not enough work. Some people have too much, depending on what industry they're in. So if all they can pitch in is two or three bucks, hey man, that's two or three bucks that you don't have to pay, you know? Yes. So, um, you know, be, be understanding of that too. And appreciative. And a, especially, and appreciative. Because two, three dollars to one person could mean a whole lot more than two, three dollars to the next guy. Absolutely. Absolutely. And that's our initial look at the Candle Keep Mysteries. We'll see you next week in the dojo. That's going to conclude this episode. Thanks for tuning in and listening. Please subscribe to the podcast for more great content. If you'd like to hear a particular topic, you can reach us out on Facebook at the Dungeon Masters Dojo. Or you can drop us an email at the Dungeon Masters Dojo at gmail.com. Thank you, and have a good day.